Hi, this is Andrew Levy. I'm the co-founder of Intelligence, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. This is the show for budding entrepreneurs, startup founders, anyone working on a side project. What we like to do is uh, actually go around the world and uh, just try to find out who's doing some really awesome stuff that we can learn from in the startup world. Uh, And today I'm in my home country, uh, the UK, where all the best startups are from, obviously. And I, I've got the great privilege of chatting with a founder who is, um, he's got like the top three grossing app in the utility section. It's consistently in there. It, he, we're going to learn a lot from this chat with David. Uh, I'm going to suggest that we talk about uh, technology choices, the technology choices that he's made, uh, how, how to engage users, how to optimize for conversions, and the, perhaps the psychology of getting uh, in-app purchases, which is uh, really actually quite challenging for many of us. So if any of those topics are of interest to you, do stay tuned, but I'm sure we'll cover a lot more as well. So let me introduce David James. He is the Managing Director of Total Car Check. It's an app and a website. And uh, David, welcome to the App Guide podcast. Oh, hello, Paul, and uh, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for coming on, David. It's great. So, um, you know, you reached out to me and I was really thrilled that I got your message because um, you have a top three grossing app. Maybe we could start off by talking about the app. Certainly, yeah. Um, to give you a bit of background into Total Car Check um, and what it does, it's an application that allows you to check the um, history of a vehicle that you might be looking to buy. So if you're going out and um, perhaps looking at a new new car, you want to find out if it's been um stolen or maybe uh, written off if it's got any outstanding finance on it there's about 50 data checks that we do um and i actually started the company um quite an interesting story when my parents um became the victim of crime so so they bought a car um took it home and when they took it to a garage to get a problem with it fixed when they turned up to to pick it back up the police were there because what someone had done is just cloned the vehicle um used stolen details um to, to put on the vehicle um, and so I thought, you know, my parents lost quite a bit of money, probably about £4,000. Um, my background's in technology, so I thought, you know, how can I, how can I make it easier for people to check the, the history, the provenance of motor vehicles? Uh, and that's how sort of Total Car Check was born. My background's in development and, um, and IT, so I had some of the skills already to, to start an organisation, start a business, or really just start an idea, as they always start, um, and, and, and start building Total Car Check. So the application, yeah, it's available. Um, we have a website, totalcarcheck.co.uk, um, an iOS and Android application. And, and like you say, we're, we're really lucky to have a really successful application consistently in the sort, top sort of, uh, three um, top grossing apps in our, in our section in the UK. I checked today, we're number two, so they're doing really well in there. And, you know, it's taken some time, but... Um, Hopefully, I'll be able to share with you and, and, and the listeners some of the, the tools and techniques that we've used to, to, to really sort of grow and, and, and climb up those charts. Yeah, David, I, I love this chat because the reason I started this podcast was that I wanted to learn from people like yourself. And like everyone, I, I made this fundamental mistake. Uh, I left 
you know, corporate UK, the banking sector, thinking that I knew how to launch apps, I knew um, how to do it. Uh, it's, it's simple. You simply look online for what is really successful and then you clone it, okay? <laughs> and um, what I've come to realize is uh, I want to avoid everyone listening making that mistake. That's not the way it works. It's actually more common to go your route, which is you are in the world, you find a problem that's really relevant, um, you know, hit, hit your parents, and then you go out and you, you kind of find technology to solve the problem, which the problem is obviously getting ripped off by rogue uh, car salespeople. And, um, you know, would you agree that, that if you were to do another company, maybe that's the way you would actually start with the problem first? Oh, 100%. I don't think it could be understated. I think one of the things that drives any organization forward when it's very small is, is a passion of its founders and its, um, and, and the people that are beginning the organization. And I think when you truly, um, you truly understand the problem that you're trying to solve and you truly, you have sort of a passion in trying to, to see it through, it's very different to perhaps, um, trying to crowbar yourself into an industry um, because you, you might have identified an opportunity. It doesn't always work like that. You know, it's slightly serendipitous, you know, the, the way it happened. My parents, victims of crime, I had a technology background. But but generally, that's the way things happened. I was actually, much like you, I was working for an investment bank in London um, and I had a, a nine-to-five job. I'd previously worked in insurance and for a telecoms company. So as straight-laced as you could have imagined, really. Um, but this really, you know, I always say to people when they ask me for advice, I say, I say, find a problem that, that makes you have a chip on your shoulder about it and try and, and, try and fix it. Um, I say, you know, be realistic about what you can achieve. Do your research on your competitors in the marketplace. But, but having that fire in your belly, I think, is, is really important. And, and like you say, if you, can, if you can start with the problem first then you'll have a great shot. I think you have a better shot at success than perhaps some of the other models um, that we've seen. You know, <laughs> I always jest when I say people sometimes find the domain first and then think about the business idea later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm prone to, I have been prone to that before. Uh, so let's talk about uh, engaging users. That's one of the big challenges, you know, the, the fact that the app store now, many people are downloading apps and then forgetting about them within a few seconds of, downloading you know we have the attention span of a goldfish and uh, and you've actually you know managed to re retain this like a very useful app now I'm imagining that that the problem is that you know when you're out to buy a car you're not you don't have your laptop with you so one of the best things is you have your phone in your pocket and you can pull it out and do a check uh, it, is it the the fact that it's so useful that is your like big um, feature I think that's I think that's a composite part of it. I think certainly, you know, user behaviour is changing um, all of the time. People, I think the official term is is showrooming. So people will will look online for for products before they actually go into the into the into the showroom uh, to, to to purchase or into the shops. So they'll try and find it cheaper or better or you know or, or bigger or smaller, whatever they're looking for. So. 
an application and all applications work perfectly for that because in the in the privacy of your own home or you know um, you know your living room wherever really you, you can you can check things out I'm always doing it you know we need to buy a new swing for the children right okay I'll have a look on Amazon oh but is it the cheapest there is it the best one there oh let's look some some other places I don't go to a shop that sells that sells the swings so although like you say you can turn up to buy a vehicle and check it there what a lot of people now are doing is is looking at five or ten vehicles beforehand um some of the tricks that sort of we use i mean i call them tricks it's really just um it's really just simplified thinking some of the things we do is you know we we don't we don't force people to create an account if you want to use the, the, the the application and i think that again can't be understated we want people the first time they open it to be able to enter a registration of a vehicle and find some some information about that vehicle um that that gives us great traction because when they're on that second page, we can start to offer them new products and services, um, and we can we can start to you know upsell, cross sell, invite them to sign up, up after that point. Um, so I think that's sort of point number one. Try it where you, where you can to make the application as usable as possible without an account, and obviously prompt people to do that later. Um, I think. You know, unlocking features for in exchange for data, even if it's not um, making payment. If you're saying to someone, "What we do on Total Car Check is we say we, you can use the application, it's and, and we'll turn you lots of information." But if you sign up, we will we will actually give you for free even more information. And with that with that data that we've collected, we can you know with the user's permission, uh, we can do other things with that. So there's there's sort of alternative options for for sort of monetizing your organization your, your business model rather than directly um, purchasing um, uh, features and products. Because let's be honest, the vast majority of your users aren't going to be making a, a purchase every single time they use it. But what you do want to be do, doing is making it easy for them to to come back to the application. So one thing I always promote here is. Try and make the application as simple as possible and as usable as possible. I recommend people, you know, get 10 users and you just watch them in silence as they use it and just see how they're using the application. Are there any pain points or any sticky points? Because people are fickle. If they, if they find things difficult to use, you know, they, they might not come back. So you really, you know, sometimes you only get that, that, that one chance to make that, that good first impression. Um, Particularly in, in our field, um, we do a few things to, to keep people engaged. We, once we've collected their email address with their permission, we actually send the reminders for um, important dates for their vehicle. So in the UK, we have the concept of uh, vehicle excise duty, that sort of road tax, something you have to pay every year to, to keep your car on the road, and an MOT, which is again is an annual test of your cars over three years old to make sure it's roadworthy. So we say, you know, if, if you want. If you want, we'll send you reminders when those are close to due, and then that pulls the people pulls people back into the application to to to, to check uh, to check data. Now, for every application, that's not going to work. You might not have the right data model for that, but but you can always think about ways in which you can perhaps pull people back in um, and trying to trying to engage them in a way that that isn't. Um, that isn't sort of creepy, you know. You don't want that the old Facebook model of emailing you every single time something happens on the website, but is useful for the user as well. You know, that's genius. Uh, in fact, uh, in all these five hundred odd episodes that uh, we've recorded on the App Guy, uh, I don't think once has anyone mentioned uh, the, uh, the the benefit of not asking to set up an account immediately, and uh, that that to me is genius because you know a lot of us are. Trying to solve the wrong problems. It's made me realise that you know you may be trying to 
make the account set up a lot easier without realizing well actually that's a major drag initially and uh, you know going and making the app really useful is uh, is uh, the best thing for your uh, user journey um, let's talk about co conversions then we've kind of touched a little bit on that uh, the fact that you are sending reminders and offering great valuable data in return for some actions from the user uh, I'm guessing a lot of people are returning to your app because uh, I can imagine a, a car purchase is only once in a blue moon and so yeah about you, once every four get, years yeah so do you do you get people returning to the app is that your goal yeah, so the, the, the marketplace one is interesting because you have consumers which are perhaps making a purchase about every three and a half, four years. Um, but, but naturally what will happen is they will, and what we've seen is that they will tell people about the application because someone they know might be buying a vehicle, you know, extended family, close friends. But also there are um, what we refer to as home dealers. So people that actually run businesses in the UK, they're buying one or two cars a month from their from their from their bedroom essentially or from their from their homes uh, and they're trading those on eBay and, uh, and and other you know classified websites so those are, are, are high volume users so there's quite a long tail to the market in the UK and it's relatively fragmented as well so, so but to talk sp specifically about conversions um, again echoing one of the things I said initially is you know you want to make it we try and make the fewest clicks possible to, to buy. So from on Total Car Check, on the app and on the website, if you enter a registration plate, um, then you really only have to press one, well, two, one more button to make a purchase. So, you know, you have to enter your email address and, 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 and payment details if you're paying by PayPal or credit card. But we found that removing all of the friction from that process, so not asking for people's, you know, I always say to people, don't ask for things you don't need. Don't ask for their home address. You don't need that. And also people are, are, are nervous about giving that to you. Ask for the minimum. So we just ask for your email address because that's all we need at that point. Now, someone might say to you, well, you know, you could do some interesting management information on, on, um, on all the other information that they give you. Well, we probably could, but it wouldn't make us any money um, directly. What we want is to convert them at the time of conversion. Um, a few other things we do, and these are sort of um, these are sort of slightly fabled, slightly um, slightly backed up with some evidence. But you should try your you know try your own ways of things. But some of the things we we've we've found is you know the order of products. So the way in which we display the products can have a difference on our level of conversion. Um, is it is it the cheapest product first or the or the most expensive product first? Um, there's a great book, The Psychology of Persuasion, um, and in it, one of the first chapters, they talk about um, the the contrast principle. Um, they give an example of a, of a pool salesman, um, a pool table billiards table salesman in in the US, and you know he would always take people to the cheapest um, pool table first and then he would work up to the most expensive pool table and then they would make a sale at some point or maybe not um, but when he changed his behavior to work from the most expensive product back down to the cheapest product I can't remember the exact figures but he significantly increased his um, his monthly um, revenue because when people see a product they're only seeing it in comparison to what else you can give to them um, so it's, it's, it's no magic dust but I think it's always I think it's good advice to, it's worth experimenting the way in which you display your products and the order in which they're displayed to users because that gives them some sort of cognitive um, 
sort of uh, trick um, triggers to, to think about which one they want they want to buy um, and, and some other things as well the color of the buttons things you might not think will be incredibly significant but but there is some research out there that suggests and uh, I know after I say this everyone's going to try and do it and expect you know 25 percent more increase uh, conversions but you know we changed our buttons to red um, <laughs> sounds so so trivial and so silly but we see this, we, we saw a not insignificant increase in conversions um, and there was some there's some evidence to back it up from a, from a psychology perspective um, but I always say to people do some a B testing for conversions that's the best thing you can do um, we're quite fortunate in our area because the the industry is already quite used to paying for this sort of check and lots of other organizations maybe they're not um but but i always say don't try cheap tricks you know be clear open and honest um and if people think that they are getting a good deal then you're more likely to convert one thing that really resonated me that, that i was told once is this concept of um the fear of regret so when people purchase something before they purchase it, one of the first things they're thinking is, what if after I buy this I don't want it or I don't need it or it's the wrong product or it doesn't do what I want it to do? So one way you can negate that and increase conversions is by by offering people a 100% you know, money-back guarantee within reason. You know, you say to people, if there is a, if there is a, a reason that after you've got this, this, this check that we've given you that you feel entitled to a refund we'll just give it to you no quibble you know say the you know say that there were some data fields missing that you felt was important for whatever reason we just give you a refund um, not everyone can do that obviously physical products are slightly different but but removing that friction from from the buying process I think is one of the key parts of um, of converting people yeah we often forget that because uh, actually uh, trying to get a refund from an in-app purchase is always uh, quite a minefield anyway. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the, so we're really talking then about the psychology of getting in-app purchases. And uh, it, it's wonderful to hear you go through all, all those trivial things. Do you use any particular tools to do the split testing? Well, it's very, very basic, actually. We have, um, we have a, you know, an even number of web servers that serve our content up. Um, and we, so we built our own internal A-B testing tool. I mean, there are, there are ones available, especially if you're running on a website. But the difficult one is, is, is A-B testing within applications because that is, uh, you know, that is slightly more difficult to do because you will, you'll be constrained. You can't update the application every time someone uses it. Um, but I always say to people, when, I, when people say A-B testing, you know, as long as you're controlling all the variables, it's just as valid to, do one thing one day and another thing the next day, um, you know, over a continued period of time, rather than trying to run both in parallel and collect that data, because it is more difficult to do that. Um, you can, you know, obviously you can, you can assign session IDs and things like that. But I always say to people, just simplify what you're doing. Change one thing, test it for a week or however you want, to, however long you want to measure it for, and then go back and you know and, can, and compare it. Don't try and overthink the way you're measuring what you're doing because if, if there are significant results, you're going to see them relatively quickly. Um, and don't get too bogged down in the in the tools that you're using. So, David, let's change gears slightly now because uh, one of the passions I have is uh, helping uh, anyone who feels like they're destined for bigger things or, or a different kind of life than working in a corporate environment. And uh, you mentioned that we have a shared experience. I, I did, uh, work, I actually worked in investment banking as well and, uh, you know, wore the pinstripe suits to work and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and 
uh, I realized that um, that there was a better life to follow what you're passionate about and, and have like a life of freedom uh, from uh, the, the kind of constraints of a corporate environment. Uh, have you got any guidance for anyone who is feeling stuck in a corporate job and would love to switch to doing something as a tech entrepreneur? Yes, I think one of the first things I would recommend is actually um, it's actually a, it's sort of a, a book slash PDF you can you can download. One of the, I think I read it in sort of two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, maybe earlier than that. Um, it's actually by an artist called uh, Hugh McLeod, uh, and he he creates um, cartoons on the back of business cards. Um, check him out. Um, the, the PDF is called How to Be Creative. If you if you Google it, you'll find it almost instantly. And one of the pieces of advice he he, he says in there that, that that stuck with me at the time is he says, "Don't don't quit your job." And then start thinking about how your how your business is. How you're going to start a business. And I, I don't think again. I don't think he understated what you should. If you really, you know, if you really feel that passion that you've got that creative juices in in you, um, you know, temper it and 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 work with it within the within the constructs of of your current job. Um, you know, evenings and weekends. When I started Total Car Check, I always tell people, you know, I was developing the application on a. On a laptop that my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, got free with a mobile phone. Um, it was, it, you know, it, and and I was just working evenings and weekends, and now I've got two children. It's you know, my time is more it's more precious. But you, you you've still got the same amount of time as everyone else. So the first piece of advice is I'd say, don't don't um, what people refer to as rage quit. Don't just don't just quit your corporate job and say right, I'm going to do this. Do it sensibly. You know, think about your 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 the product or service you want to offer. Do your research. Use your spare time, you know, to to get something up and running and show it to people and iterate that way. Um, I'm a big proponent of, of a work-life balance as well. I think, you know, success is great, but what's really important is that you're happy in what you're doing. And, and it's often it's often the case that you might look over the hill and see the grass as being greener. But for those of us that, that have, have trodden that path, it isn't always, you know, it isn't always rosy. Um but I would, I would always encourage people to, to follow their passion, but do it in a in a in a controlled way um, until you can find out that you know the idea that you've got is is perhaps going to work, um, and then and then you can just iterate from there. But yeah, like I say, the um, how to be creative PDF from uh, from from here is is great, and the other one I think is really really excellent advice. Um, it's called Getting Real. It's by Thirty Seven Signals. Again, you can you can download that from from their website. It's a PDF. And um, and it, and it's just sort of a, a pro forma on how to start, a, uh, how to begin a, a startup, really, uh, and and the and the and the and the things you should do at the very beginning. Um, don't jump in the, the the deep end, is what I'm trying to say, and, and try to swim. You know, get in the shallow end first and, and walk upstream. Yeah, well, I wish I'd listened to you when I uh, jumped <laughs> in at the deep end, and that's why you know I love sharing this content. And uh, you know, you touched on something called work-life balance, and that's always quite challenging because as soon as you open up your laptop or get set ready for the day, no matter how early you get up, you could fill up your day in doing a million and one things. And uh, especially if you work from home or work close to home and have children, it it is quite hard to juggle. How do you? Uh, juggle your like you know day and any any guidelines for us to try and be strict about our work life balance. I think the first thing that I always have to remind myself about is the most important thing to me is my family and not and not my work. Um, it's easy sometimes to to think that um, 
that, that it's the other way around. You would never intentionally think it, but, but if you're spending more, you know, more time than you have to. So I always have to try and remind myself that, that, um, the reason I'm working so hard is so that I can spend more, so I can have a, a better time with my family, you know, and actually, I've got two young children at the moment, and, and actually, I've I've got that already now. You know, I've got I've got a two and a three year old, and a and a, and a wonderful wife, and sometimes that can pass you by a bit because you become so sort of tunnel visioned on trying to um, achieve your success. So, but to give specific advice, one thing I do is I say, okay, I have <clears throat> I have a list. It's just a it's just a .txt file. <laughs> that I keep on my desktop. That's my to-do list, and it's called to-do.txt. And I have, you know, a, a year goal, a, a month goal, a week goal, and a, and a day uh, list that, that iterates up and down. And I just, it just helps me. That is as simple as it gets. It helps me focus on what I need to do next. The problem that I think a lot of small organisations suffer from is is context switching. And, um, and trying to, you know, sw- swim upstream sometimes, trying to, trying to fix problems. You know, obviously things will come up, code reds, errors in production. That's always going to happen. But if I know the things I want to achieve, then I can check against that list and I can feel how close I am to achieving them. And then that gives you a, a great deal of satisfaction when you do achieve them. And it also creates an end point for the day. If I know that I want this to happen today, great. And once I've done that, I can, I can sort of, within myself, I feel slightly more happy to, to go and spend time. But it, like you say, Paul, it is difficult, um, work-life balance. Um, it's something that you have to, you have to work hard to remember that, that it isn't always about, you know, spending, you know, 70 hours a week in the office. You know, and I'm really uh, thrilled that you mentioned that because success, when you, when you mentioned success and, and actually you could have success in front of you, but not realize it. And I'm sort of thinking back to when my kids were uh, two, I got twin boys and we uh, took off and, and spent uh, several months living in Dubai. Uh, we, we did a ski season and I, I guess uh, I got misled to think that success was all about chasing the, the, the profit, the bottom line figure, you know, your bank balance, not realizing that, you know, here we are living with my family, my wife, kids, we're in France or we're skiing or, you know, we're um, jollying around Dubai or around Asia. And actually that was, uh, at the time, like the most successful thing. And so I guess it's re- redefining success. That's right, exactly. I mean, you want to have professional success, but like you say, the the success that you're really garnering for it is perhaps sometimes already there. I always say to people... If, if they haven't read The Alchemist, I mean, I'll, it's a spoiler alert coming up, but, you know, this guy spends his, his, his life travelling the globe to try and find this treasure, and then he returns home to only find it buried underneath the tree he sleeps underneath. Um, because, uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's, like you say, it's staring in front of you, um, which sounds very sort of, uh, um, I suppose, uh, maybe a little bit hippie, you might say, but it's it's important... I think to, to have that balance and to have that, that, that focus on your life is, it's, you know, by all means strive for success professionally, but not, but not at any cost is what I would say. Yeah, well, I, you know, like the, the whole reason for this show is to expose uh, the Appster tribe to alternative lifestyles and the fact that we have all these tools, the fact that you can be out looking at a car and do a checkup or you can work uh, from home, you have all the communication you need. You know, the whole world is set up for us to have a great work-life balance 
But I do feel like a big portion of people are missing this because they uh, are kind of stuck in you know what they're expected to do, which is uh, drive to work or commute and uh, you know go to do something they don't particularly enjoy and uh, then leave and and get their enjoyment from spending the money on things they don't really need. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, but it's difficult. It's really difficult to notice that. I always think that self awareness is one of them is one of the most sort of telling, compelling, but most difficult, you know, features to have. You know, being aware of what you're doing with your time, being aware of what your the influence and impact you're having on your family and your and your colleagues and other people. Um, so it's important every so often just to take a step back and realize, you know, you know, I really want this organization to be successful, but you know what I, I want more than that is I, I want to be, I want my family to be happy and I want to be, I want to be happy in myself. And, and certainly I think we've all, we've all had experiences of, which are corollary to that. You know, you, you've worked long hours for an organization you don't particularly like, but you want to pay the mortgage and there's, you know, there's all sorts of, of factors involved, but, but yeah, it's, it's always nice just if, to get reminded that, you know, there is a, there is a bigger picture outside of um, the iOS app store and, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's important to find it. Well, David, it's been so pleasurable talking to you. Meeting people like you is the reason I do this and I'm so glad that we connected. Uh, how best can people connect with you and get involved with Total Car Check? Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is probably actually over Twitter. I'm David James. Um, I actually used to have the handle DJ, but I didn't use it, so I should have, I should have kept on to that. Uh, but yes, David ja- at David James on, on Twitter, and uh, anyone that wants to wants to have a chat, feel free to drop me a line, and we can and we can take it forward. Yeah, you, you missed up on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at DJ would have been worth quite a lot now. Actually. I know. Can you imagine just for De- just for Dow Jones, perhaps making? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I do recall an episode of the App Guy where we uh, I actually talked to uh, a guy with the shortest Twitter name I've ever seen, and. He was one of the first employees, I think, the first hundred batch of employees at Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, I think he's probably ended up making more from his uh, Twitter handle selling that than uh, <laughs> than actually made from uh, uh, the company. Okay, well, David, thanks for joining us, and uh, uh, for everyone listening, to the Apps Tribe, the the show notes will be um, it's theappguy.co. You could search for David James. It's episode five one six. There is a rich archive of episodes if you happen to uh, you know, uh, enjoy this episode and want some similar episodes, then you can go back into my archives. I spent a lot of time putting the archives into iTunes because they only share the, the top 100. Um, so there's all the archives in there. If you just search for Paul Kemp in the, app, uh, the iTunes podcast store or your favorite podcasting app. David, thanks for coming on the App Guide podcast and, and all the best. Thank you very much, Paul. <laughs>